0: Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today, on A Transforming Word.
1: Paul well, reason, one of the reasons I endure these things is for the sake of the elect, those that are chosen of God. The, the elect are those that are saved, those that are going to be saved, those that are saved, the chosen of God. For that cause, for this cause, I endure these things for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation which is in me. Christ Jesus. Paul says, I'll go through it because as I'm preaching this message, there are people that are elect of God that are going to hear it and be saved. And so I'm going to keep sharing it. Even if it means change for me, I'm going to make sure the gospel goes as far as I can take it.
0: Many will promote the message that if you give your life to Jesus and have enough faith, you will have an easy, painless, and good life. Today, Pastor Bill will challenge you to remember that life as a believer will not be easy. The enemy will battle for every soul it can win. Yet Paul, who endured pain, torment, rejection, and imprisonment, called all he suffered worth it in order that others would know the Lord and his salvation. If others can hear and know of the gospel and be saved for eternity, temporary pain is worth it. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 2 for today's edition of A Transforming Word.
1: It's interesting that when the Bible speaks about us in, in the terms of athletics, you know, running the race and all these different things, We're not racing each other. You guys, I'm not in a competition against you in this thing. It's a a personal best. It's like a runner. It's like someone who, you know, last time I ran, I I got done. And, you know, one point, whatever. Well, this time I'm I'm going for my own personal best. My race is not against you. Right. My I have my own calling, my own gifts. God has his own expectation for me. God's given you gifts and abilities and things. And God has an expectation upon you. And so we're all trying to run our race. God, God, I want to to go as far as you want me to go. I want to do as much as you would have me to do. Um, But as we're going, says, make sure you're competing according to the rules. Make sure you're obeying the rules that have been laid out. The third analogy is a farmer, the hardworking farmer. The hardworking farmer must, this is verse six, the hardworking farmer must be first to partake of the crops. And when you think about a farmer, I don't know how many guys here got a green thumb or you plant gardens or anything like that. I don't, um, but I know one thing. I know there's, you know, you, you dig a hole, you sow the seed, you cover it up, you water the seed. And then what do you do? You wait. That's, the, that's a cuss word for Christians. You wait. That's that. The farmers got to wait. Right. I, I, I dug. I worked really hard. I mean, all day I dug trenches and I sowed seed and I covered it up and I went back and I watered. I'm sweating. But there's no food yet. Now you got to wait. And back in these days, they had to wait for the rain. They had to wait for God. To, you did your part. Now you're waiting on God to send the rain. Um, you, they, didn't, they didn't have an irrigation system. They didn't have sprinklers. Right. Imagine being a farmer back in these times when after you you did all the work to get everything ready. Now you're just saying, Lord, about time for that rain, Lord. <laughs> I mean, you know, you're waiting for God to send the rain. And then after the rain is sent, then you got to wait on the crops to to come and to be produced and everything else. There's a period of waiting. And I know there's one thing that we hate is waiting. I know I hate waiting. I I want it now. I love the microwave. The microwave says I can can have in two minutes what the stove would give me in 45. I'm I'm like, I want it it right now. And so God doesn't let us have it that way. Maybe you're here right now. You're waiting on God. God's got you in in a waiting posture and you don't like it. I don't want to wait, Lord. I want it done now. I want you to fix it yesterday. God says, I want you to be like the hard-working farmer, right? When the farmer is waiting, he's still working. He's the hard-working farmer. And I believe it's critical and it's important what we do while we wait. There are some things that are out of your hands, right? If I'm waiting on God to send rain, can I do anything in my effort to make it happen any faster? No. I can, you know, I can do the dance. That don't work. You know, there's, there's nothing I can do in my energy to make it happen any faster than, than God's going to do it. And so... I need to find something else to do while I wait. And so sometimes for us, as we're waiting on God, that's where we get all messed up. Some of y'all don't wait. Uh, some of us, God says, I want you to wait. And, or, and he didn't say wait, he just didn't answer yet. And we're off with it. You know, I always give the analogy of telling, you know, my son have a, a bad habit of asking while grabbing. Dad, can I have that thing? That thing that's in your hand already? No, put it down, you know, but he's asking and having, can I have a Bible? You know, it's already doing it. you asking for something while you're already going to do it. God says, you ask, and then you got to wait. And God takes his time sometimes because waiting is good for us. Waiting. I mean, sometimes when you're waiting on God for something, you may hate it, but God's looking and saying, man, I, I don't have your attention like this. I mean, I, I, I mean, I don't mean the last time I had your attention, like you were praying every day. I mean, you were in the Bible. You were at fellowship. I mean, I, I have your full undivided attention right now. I'm going to keep you here for me. It's good for you because um, as soon as I give it to you, you're going to be off. And so some of us, God have us waiting because he has our attention in a way that he doesn't have it the rest of the time. Other times we're waiting because God says, I'm, I'm working out some things that you don't know. You can't see what I'm doing, but do you trust me? Do you trust that I love you? Do you trust that I heard you? Do you trust that I'm, I'm, I'm not mean, that I'm not just making you wait to be mean? Do you trust that I'm good and I'm, I'm, I'm listening when you pray and when you cry out and I'm working on your behalf? Do you trust me? Sometimes as I wait, God's looking and saying, do you trust me? Are you trusting me while you wait? And um, it's a great acronym for wait. W-A-I-T, worship and intimate time. While you wait, that's would be a good thing for you to do, worship and have intimate time with the Lord. Some people, when they're wait, they're fretting. You know, they're kicking cans. It's not happening yet. They're calling your friends and telling everybody and making God look bad. And God says, you just relax. Spend some time with me. Go read your Bible. Sing a song wait, you know, some worship time. So the hardworking farmer, he must be first to partake of the crops. He worked really hard. When those crops come up, he's going to be the first to partake. They'll be shared. They'll be spread out, but he will wait. And so we have the soldier. We have the athlete. We have the farmer. Three different analogies that Paul is using to give Timothy a picture of what's the ministry going to be like? What's going to be like a soldier? Timothy, you're going to have warfare. It's going to be a battle. You can't bow out. You, can't, you got to endure hardship. You can't, you can't be one that bows out easily. It's a war, man. Timothy is like athletics. You got to go according to the rules. There are rules involved. You must obey the rules. And Timothy is like a hard-working farmer. He works hard, and then he waits. He'll, he will be first to partake, but it's going to be a while. There's going to be a gap in between sowing and plowing and sowing and, and reaping and, and, and partaking. There's going to be a gap in the middle. And he's going to have to be patient. He's going to have to have something you're going to need in ministry. You're going to need to be patient. And I've been encouraged in my own heart in this way, that many times, you know, you're wanting God to do something. I want God to do it now. I want him to move in a, in a different way. And God is saying, just wait. I'm doing something right now. You could be looking so far down the line at what I'm going to do, what you hope I'll do, that you're missing what I'm doing right now. I'm doing something now. And so we want to have vision for the future, but you don't want to have vision so far off into the future that you don't have any perspective on what God's doing today. Because in many of our lives, God's I'm doing something great right now, but you can't even enjoy it because your eyes are way over there. And um, I want you to look at what I'm doing now. I want you to be involved in that. So the hardworking farmer. Then verse 7, it says, consider what I say, and may the Lord give you understanding in all things. And so he's telling Timothy, I want you to consider these things. Consider the soldier and the athlete and the farmer. Consider these things. Give some thought to them And he says, may the Lord give you understanding in all things. Verse eight now he says, remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead, according to my gospel, for which I suffer trouble. And so he brings them right back to the gospel. He says, hey, Timothy, I want you to remember Jesus, Jesus Christ. Remember Jesus Christ. Why is he putting his mind back there? Why, is he, why, why, after telling him to be a good soldier and to be uh, an athlete according to the rules and, and be a farmer, why is he saying now, hey, I want you to remember, I want you to, I want you to remember Jesus Christ, because there is no higher example that you could point to. If I'm going to tell you to be a good soldier, was there anyone that was a better soldier than Jesus? Absolutely not. He endured hardship like nobody else has known hardship, and he went through it for you and for me. Is there anyone that was a better athlete, anyone that, that competed according to the rules better than Jesus? No. He kept all the rules. He never sinned. John says he he did always those things that please the father. What a great example on that. And then the last example, the, the hard working farmer, that he would work really hard and then have to wait. He had to wait. Jesus had to, he had to spend his time. He, he, he was born into this world. He had to grow up. He had to go through all these things on earth. He had to endure all the hardship and he had to wait to the cross for, for your salvation right? He had to be in the garden of Gethsemane praying, Father, is any any other way? Let this cup pass. But there was no other way. Nevertheless, let your will be done. And he, he went and he endured and went through those things for you and I. No greater example that he can point to than Jesus. And that will always be the case for you and I. If I'm looking for an example of what I'm to be, I'm always Jesus is the bar. Jesus is the standard. Jesus is who we look to as a standard. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David, remind him who he was, was raised from the dead according to my gospel. Why is he reminding him of the resurrection? What does the resurrection mean for the believer? A couple things. Jesus was raised from the dead, right? The Bible says that it was as a first fruits of what would happen to us, right? He conquered death. Death is the, that's our biggest enemy. That's something that most people fear more than anything else, death. What happens when I die? But he says, remember Jesus, right? He endured hardship, he suffered, but he died. But then what happened after death? He rose from the grave. What's going to happen to me after death? Paul, I'm going to go to be with the Lord. Absent from the body is what? Friends, the does He's tell him remember that? Jesus didn't live his life for this life. He lived his life for the life that was to come. So, too, you and me, right? If I live this life, you guys, trying to preserve it and keep it and enjoy it and have it and keep it safe. And I don't want bad things to happen to me. I don't want to endure affliction. I don't want hard stuff to happen. Then I just won't be a good soldier and I won't be a a good athlete, and I won't be a good farmer. I won't be very useful in the the hand of God if I'm living for myself. That's why Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, you got to do a few things. He says, you got to deny yourself. Take up your cross daily, the instrument of death, and then follow me, right? If you're going to live for yourself, then you, you, you can't follow God and live for yourself. And so he says here again, remember Jesus Christ of the seed of David, was raised from the dead according to my gospel. He says, "For that's why. It's the gospel. It's my presentation of the gospel. It's my sticking to my guns that there was a resurrection, he says, which is for that cause. This is why I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even to the point of change. But he says, but the word of God is not changed. And so Paul says, look, I'm suffering and I'm in prison because I preached that message that Jesus died and he rose again. He says, that's why I'm in chains right now. But he says, guess what? The gospel is not changed. Even though I'm physically in chains, he says there's no hindrance on the gospel. The gospel is not chained. It can still go forth. It can still do all the things that God wants to do through it. It is not chained. Verse 10. Therefore, I endure. So the second time we see that word, we'll see it again in verse 12. Therefore, I endure all things for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Paul says, the reason, one of the reasons I endure these things is for the sake of the elect, those that are chosen of God. The the elect are those that are saved, those that are going to be saved, those that are saved, the chosen of God. For that cause, for this cause, I endure these things for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus. Paul says, I'll go through it because as I'm preaching this message, there are people that are elect of God that are going to hear it and be saved. And so I'm going to keep sharing it even if it means change for me. I'm going to make sure the gospel goes as far as I can take it. And so verse 11 through 13 now, he says, this is a faithful saying. And we have three things. He says, for if we died with him, the promise, we shall also live with him. Second, if we endure, that's the third time that word endure is used in this chapter. We shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. And real quick, let's look at these things. He says, one, if we die with him, we shall also live with him. And so you need to ask yourself the question, have I died with Christ? Are you alive to yourself? Are you living in your flesh? Are you fulfilling your own desires? Or have you died with Christ? Because the promise is, if I die with Christ, I'll live with him. I think everybody here that understands who Jesus is and where he's headed, I want to live with him. Well, then I got to die with him. He died on the cross. I got to die daily. I got to take up my cross daily. I got to die to my flesh, die to with myself once, die to me, that Christ might live his life through me. But he said, if you die with me, what's the promise? You'll live with me. And that's what we can look forward to. Second thing, if we endure, we shall also reign with him. And so now, now you know, we, we, we've died with him. We're going to live with him now if you endure. Right. If you go through the things, if you don't bow out, you don't quit, you don't fall back. You endure the difficulties. You endure the hardship. Right now, there's a the, uh, the, there's a pastor has been in prison for two years. I won't say a whole lot about the prayer breakfast thing, but there was a letter read from him at this annual, this, this prayer breakfast. And he wrote a letter and I was blown away. It, it reminded me of the Apostle Paul. This guy has been in prison away from his family. Uh, I ran and he got to write a letter. And the president read it off at a uh, at a, a prayer breakfast thing. And in his letter, it was I mean, the brother, it just it was just strong. The things that he had to say, the things that he the things that he was sharing, the things that he was encouraging. But the guy was just encouraging other people. He was saying, I mean, he, he's all right in the Lord. We want to see him free. We want to see that. But this is a guy that present day. This isn't we see this in the Bible, but it's happening today. There are people that are right now enduring hardship for the gospel. Because he served God, because he was there doing what God had called him to do, and now he's, he's in a prison there, and he's being held, and um, they're playing all these games. He's still there, and his wife is going around, and she's sharing. He's got kids out here. That wife is suffering hardship. The kids are suffering hardship. He's suffering hardship, but his letter didn't say anything about wanting to quit. His letter didn't say anything about wishing I hadn't to come. His letter didn't say anything about, I, you know, I wish it were otherwise. His letter was still speaking this message and, and sending it forth. And so he says, if we endure, we shall also reign with him. So we know that there's going to come a time where we rule and reign with Christ, but they're going to be different capacities. Everybody's not going to be the same. Everybody's not going to have the same job in, in the next realm. And so he says, look, if we endure, if we're those that endure hardship, if you go through things now, it, it does prepare the way for eternity. You'll reign with him. Thirdly, if we deny him, he also will deny us. Now, this isn't denying him like, you know, Peter did in a moment of, of fear or fright. He denied the Lord at one. It's not like something you do one time and, oh, oh you deny the Lord at one time, you, that's it. He's going to deny you. The Bible says, look, if you confess me before men, he'll do what? Confess you before his father and the angels in heaven. But if you deny me before men, so I'll deny you in front of the father and the angels in heaven." And so. As a way of life, maybe you're here. Maybe you're here, and, and, and maybe you have some shame. Maybe for whatever reason, you know, maybe real deep down, you believe these things to be true, but when you get around all your carnal, non-believing friends, family, and folk, you're ashamed. You deny the Lord. No, I don't really believe that. My mom's make me go. I don't really believe that. You know, my husband dragged me there. You know, whatever. You deny him. God said, look, if you deny me, I'm going to deny you. I just let that sink in for a minute. You deny me. I will deny you. That's, that's it. If you're not wanting to own me, you don't want to own me, God said, that's cool. That's not what I wanted. But if that's your take, if you say, I, I, Jesus Christ, dying on the cross, blah, 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 I deny you. I don't, I don't say you're not the Lord of my life. You're not, I deny that. God said, okay. Then when you die and you come before me, and in that moment, I'm telling you, you, want anything, you won't want anything more in that moment than to be received in that moment when you want desperately to be received, God will say, I will deny you now. You didn't want me, now I can't have you. Uh, It's not something that he did to you, it's something that you did to yourself. And so God has made the gospel understandable. He's made it simple. He's made it plain. He's made it accessible. You don't have to do anything but believe it and receive it. The work was done by Jesus. He's presented it to you. But if you say, after all of that, uh, deny it. I'm ashamed of him. I don't want that. I want that. This is cooler over here. I want God. It's okay. There's going to come a day, right? The Bible says in Hebrews nine twenty-seven, it's appointed to man once to die. And after this, the judgment, you live once you die. Once you're judged, nobody knows when you're going to die. I hope everybody here lives to be old and, and, and crusty and everything else. We don't know though. Young people die. Old people die. Healthy people die every single day. People that didn't plan to be dead are dead. And so you don't prepare you. The gospel is something you either receive it now or you you, you suffer the risk of dying without it. Worse than that, worse than suffering the risk of dying without it, something that that also takes place that people don't account for, is there's a hardening of your heart that takes place. So right now, maybe your heart's tender enough to at least believe it, but you won't receive it. There's going to come a point where your heart is so hard where I don't even believe it no more. I I used to kind of believe it. I, I used to believe it a lot. But I was resisting it. I knew it was true, but I wanted to do my own thing. And this is this is the progress. I know that it was a truth, but I want to do my own thing. Then what will happen is I want to do my own thing so much. I don't even know if that's true. And you get over here where it's like, I don't believe it at all. I'm just doing my own thing. And there'll come a point where your back is completely turned on it and you're just going that way. You die like that. You're going to hell. You die right here. You're going to hell. You die anywhere along that progress. You're going to hell. That's the reality. That's what the Bible teaches. You've denied Him after all He's done for you. There's nothing else He can do for you. You said no. So again, He said, if you deny Him, He will deny us. I beg of you, don't deny the Lord, you guys. Why would you deny the Lord? He created you, He loves you, He died for you, He wants you. He wants to give His mercy to you, He wants to give His grace to you, He wants to clean you of your sins, He wants to, he wants to make you acceptable before the Father. He, Everything he wants for you is good and better. Everything. Everything God wants for you is a good thing. There's nothing bad that God has in mind, has in store for you. And so don't resist him. Don't deny him. Receive him. The last thing, he says, if we are faithless, he remains faithful because he cannot deny himself. And so each of these things was kind of a response. If you die with me, you'll live with me. You endure with me, you'll reign with me. You deny me, I'll deny you. You're faithless. I can't join you. He says I, he is, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. One of the characteristics of the nature of God is he is faithful. can't deny himself. And so even if we're faithless, he's faithful. And that should speak to us on a few different planes. Um, anyone that's ever been in a place where you were faithless, weak in your faith or whatever, God says, but I'm still faithful. Right? You didn't believe. But I still did because I'm who I am. Right. My doing is not dependent on that. That that just should ruin the faith movement. You guys, God says you're faithless. The faith movement says if you're faithless, God won't. You don't believe God won't do. God says, really, you're faithless. I'm faithful. I can't deny myself. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. I look at the Israelites. Were they faithful? Did they have faith along the way? There were many, many times where they didn't. Did God still do? Right. Well, they believe in God when they were crying out that we're going to die in the desert. We're thirsty. Moses, ah, you brought us out here to die. That wasn't faith. But what did God do? Water out of the rock because he's faithful. You're faithless. I'm faithful. That's who I am. I'm going to still feed y'all. My Lord, we left. We were in better. We were slaves in Egypt. We had leeks and onions and better food, blah, blah, blah. That's not faithful. That's faithless. But God says, but I'm faithful. I brought y'all out here. Manna from heaven. You're faithless. I remain faithful. I cannot deny myself. So I'm asking everybody here to consider a few things. Um, the opening admonitions, the, the soldier, the athlete, and the farmer, speaking to those of us that are in service, um, I challenge everybody to consider yourself. Consider where you stand in regard to those things. Are you a good soldier? Are you enduring hardship? Um, are you beat down in the war? You need some prayer? We want to pray for you today. That happens. Um, but if you're, if you're engaged in the battle, you're engaged in the war, I hope you've been encouraged today that you would endure. I pray that just the word of God would strengthen you, that you'd endure differently because of what you heard today. Um, I pray we'd be encouraged as we heard Paul tell Timothy, find some other faithful people and pass these things along. Are you passing it along? Are you one of the faithful people that it needs to be passed along to that you find yourself in that process? Um, He told the athlete to compete according to the rules. Is there anything that you're doing in your life that's a disqualifying uh, factor, that you wouldn't live a disqualified life, that God could have his full reign in you, that he could do everything he wants, that you would compete according to the rules? Are you having to wait on God like the hardworking farmer, that you would grow in your patience, uh, that you would patiently wait and trust the Lord? Um, again, we looked at Isaiah 40. Those that wait on the Lord are going to renew their strength, and God's going God's to do for you what you can't do as you wait on him and you trust him as you wait. And so that's for the believers. As we come to the end here, and I camped on that for a minute for a reason, God says, don't deny me. If you're here today and you're someone that says, man, I've denied the Lord, um, one of the beautiful things about God is there's the opportunity today to recant. There's the opportunity for someone that's denied him to say, you know what? You know what? I, I'm, I repent of having denied the Lord. I want to receive him now. And God won't hold it against you. God will forgive you. God will cleanse you. God will wash away your sins. And so I want to—I want that opportunity to go forth. Even when they would say, man, I need to say yes to the Lord. I need to receive his forgiveness. I don't want to be one that denied the Lord. I don't want the Lord to deny, to deny me one day. You would let the Lord have his way today. You wouldn't go another day in a position of denying him.
0: The Apostle Paul exhorts his readers in 2 Timothy 4.2 to preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. This means that whenever, wherever, and whomever you come in contact, it's time to share the good news of Jesus. It's time to tell people what the Bible says and to invite others into a relationship with Christ. His gospel message isn't just for those who you think are deserving. It's for everyone. Don't let time go by without standing up for the truth of God's word. It can be exactly what someone else needs to hear today. Thanks for joining us here on The Transforming Word. We want you to know that we're praying for you. If there's ever anything you'd like us to pray for specifically, please reach out at 310-245-4811. You can call or text. That number again is 310-245-4811. You are invited to join us for church this weekend too calvary chapel Inglewood meets every sunday at 9 and 11 a.m as well as wednesday evenings at 7 p.m you'll be able to find all the information you need when you visit our website CalvaryInglewood.org. if you can't join us in person please come join us online we'll continue to live stream on youtube live facebook live and instagram you can get links on our website too again that's CalvaryInglewood.org. while you're there Be sure to check out more of Pastor Bill's messages from this and other books of the Bible. That's all we have time for today. Tune in next time for another edition of A Transforming Word.